Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Around the 412. We are part of the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I am Tyler, and with me as always is my co-host Smitty. Happy Monday. How's it going, man? You want the good news or the bad news? I'll always take the bad news first. The bad news. The Steelers didn't win a football game. The good news, the Steelers didn't lose a football game. And no, they did not tie either. It's just Steelers bye week. Luckily, there's only one of these things, at least as of right now, until they add that 18th game, which we all know is coming down the line, probably with a second bye week. But here we are, no Steeler game to talk about this week. So we kind of started talking about the Browns last week. That was before they played their Thursday night game against the Broncos. So we got to see what the Broncos, or I'm sorry, what the Browns looked like without Baker Mayfield, without their top two running backs. And it was kind of exactly the formula stayed the same for the Browns. They ran the football. Dearness Johnson showed that he's, for whatever reason, you know, the, the best number three running back in football and could be a number one or number two on some uh, other teams. I, I, I was going to say, listen, I said on last week's show that if Alex Collins could run the way he did on the Steelers defense, why couldn't Dearness Johnson? And then we just saw Dearness Johnson do what he did on Thursday Night Football I I feel like he's a little bit more of a threat than we probably were considering him going into this game. Yeah, and we'll see. I mean, they could possibly have Nick Chubb back as well, but when you see Dearness Johnson do what I hope he so, did, fantasy-wise. like, yeah, but like the Browns have no reason to rush him back at this point. Like, I think True. the big concern for them is going to be uh, the biggest thing for them has got to be getting the offensive line healthy and what's going on with the defense. Denzel Ward now dealing with an injury as well, um, but unfortunately for him, that's been a recurring theme. Um, you know, those soft tissue injuries have bit Denzel Ward his entire career up to this point. So, I mean, what do we think about the Browns? Anything more after this Thursday night game than we did, you know, last week when we were kind of talking about them previewing the Steelers next game? Honestly, nothing new. Um, I saw a lot of people thinking that the Broncos were like a for sure win in this game, which I just didn't see mm. just because the Broncos to me, they're not, they're not that great of a team. I understand they started the season three and oh, but they played terrible teams. Uh, since then they lost every single game and I think the Browns pretty much look the same now they didn't have the same uh, cast that they normally do but they operated exactly the same way that they normally do they weren't relying on the passing game to win them the game they just were handing the ball off to a for sure running back that got the yards and the defense was mm, meh I mean I mean but, but that's that's the story of the Browns defense so far this year. They they weren't as good as we thought they were going to be, which we touched on last week. But overall, I think the Browns still looked like the Browns. Um 
just with a little bit different running back room and uh, a little bit of a scare with Baker. It looked like the injury was going to be a lot worse than it was for him. Um, but but I, I still I, think I, that they're I still think that they're trying to mask what's actually going on there. I, I think yeah, it is. I was going to ask you do you do you think that there's any of a chance that he would like be held out going into this week with the Steelers? Now I, I get he has a whole week to recover, um, but we still don't really know what's going on. But with with the way that the Browns operate, it, if he can't go or if he's not 100 percent, and it, especially if you get Nick Chubb back, I feel like the Browns don't really need to rely on Baker Mayfield being the guy. Um, I, I feel like we saw on Thursday night that, that as long as they have a game manager at quarterback and they've got those running backs in the backfield, they don't need an elite quarterback to win them the game. Baker's yeah, not elite, I mean, by the way. <laughs> I might look like an idiot. Um, for saying this by the time that this game actually rolls around, I don't think Baker's going to play against the Steelers. Um, I, I that's think just because you think from... that they're going to hold him out because of health wise. Like, yeah. And, and they, and they don't need him necessarily. Yeah. I mean, he's not part, uh, I mean, he doesn't really win them football games. Like he's good enough for them to win football games, but he's not the reason why I still think that they can operate pretty much the exact same way offensively with case Keenum, assuming the other pieces, are healthy in, in the way that, you know, they should be. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me is you look at what he's going to be physically limited to do. I understand that's not in his throwing shoulder, but also like the mental part of it. If he's going into this game, knowing he's got to protect that shoulder and not just this game, any game for the rest of the season, that thing's not going to be healed until he gets that surgery. Um, every game for the rest of the season, he's going to go into it thinking, I need to protect this thing. It's probably going to impact the way that he's playing football because of that. He's going to be scared to take hits. He's not going to want to be moving around as much. I just, I, I think that this is severely going to hamper him um, in 2021. It, it, but the good news for the Browns is I don't think that they need him to have that same level of success in 2021. Um, I, I want to, you know, not necessarily stray away from from this game because I, I do want to, to come back to it to get our predictions. But just looking at a game that is going on as of the time of recording this in the division with the Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens with Cincinnati absolutely just stomping the Ravens at this point. I think it's 41 to 17 as of the moment that I'm saying this. Um, that makes that game Breaking the that, fourth lost, wall again. <laughs> that lost to Cincinnati that the Steelers had look not as bad as originally on the surface it did. I mean, we didn't have Highsmith or Watt in that game. Granted, I mean, you still want to go out there and win a football game at home against a division rival. Um, but Cincinnati looks like they're legit, and and they're probably a year or two earlier than I thought they'd be with this coming out party. Um, but you knew it was coming at some point with all those weapons on offense. It's just a matter of getting that defense right. And I don't know if they're playing just over their heads right now, but the defense looks pretty solid as well. They, they're front seven. They're getting to the quarterback. They've already eclipsed their sack total from last season. Um, and the secondary, which I think, you know, besides Jesse Bates is probably what you would think is like the weak point of that defense. They've been pretty solid too. And I don't know if that's just a matter of the opponents that they faced up to this point or what, but you got to give that unit a ton of credit. Yeah. I think preseason we were really comparing like, okay, who's going to be competing for third in the division, the Steelers or the Bengals, but like <laughs> the Bengals look legit. Like I, and I know none of us were giving them any credit whatsoever. No. Um, I, I, I feel like. Listen, I know that the Steelers have have turned it around a little bit. They've they've gotten a couple wins in a row, but like I'm pretty comfortable saying right now, especially looking at the way that the Bengals are handling the Ravens, that the Bengals are a better team than the Steelers. I feel like they the, overall they they probably are just just basically yeah. looking at the offenses. Um, but 
uh, now this like throws a whole new wrench into the division. Like, do we think that the Bengals could be competing for the division based off these performances? I, I mean, they're, they're making a legitimate case for it. Yeah, that's the thing is, and not just like with the Ravens not performing that well today. There, they had another their right tackle went down with an injury that looked pretty bad. Who knows what's going to happen with him? We already know that Ronnie Stanley is going to be out. You know, so like health wise, they basically don't there, have like, a left tackle. Yeah, exactly. Because of Ronnie Stanley going out and them switching Al over to that side, which is yeah. terrible. That's um, I mean. <laughs> so I think you look at the division right now, and it's just like, I mean, they're playing the best, and also they're the healthiest, and, yeah. and that matters. So I don't know, man. I think that I think that they very well could win the division. It's going to come down to, it. but I think that the wild card. There's not that many teams like in the wild card mix to me. I think that like the teams in the AFC North all still have a shot, and maybe like the Raiders are there right now. We'll see what happens with, with this Pat Mahomes injury that just happened uh, in their game against the Titans, which a little bit of su- surprise there. T- uh, Titans went by 24 points in that game. Um, if that's severe at all, that could hamper well, Kansas dude, City. The, cra- the crazy thing is before the injury, Kansas City hasn't been playing good. I know. Yeah. E- even with, I just, even you just with keep thinking. No, I yeah, know. You just I know. Keep thinking they're going to turn it around. Like they have, they have Mahomes. No, as long yeah, as they have Mahomes, they get a shot every like week. They, but... they aren't, they aren't that good. Well, we knew the defense stunk. Fair. We just thought yeah. like Mahomes would be able to to make up for that. And right now, like yeah, pre-injury even, he's just overcompensating. He's getting some bad luck this year. Like you expected the interception regression to come at some point because nobody you know throws as many attempts as he does and only gets picked off six times. Um, so we are seeing it come this year. And but if a lot of it is on like tip balls and plays that his wide receivers are not making, like that are very makeable and and all that. But yeah, I mean, this is just I, not. I just Kansas when I, when right I look now. at the when I look at the game against the Bills, I would have thought, okay, the Bills have a really good offense. The Chiefs' defense we know is not good, so we know that the Josh Allen and the Bills' offense would be able to put up some points. But I thought the Kansas City offense would be able to at least keep up a little bit better than they did. They didn't even look like they were competing with the same team in that game. They like that was the clear. It was was like, okay, who's going to be the the best team in the AFC? That really just threw it out of the water. Like Kansas City to me is not close to the Bills right now, and it's clear in a way the Bills. It's it's closer to is Kansas City going to make the playoffs as opposed to are they you know one of the top contenders in the AFC? Yeah, Um, you're right. Um, I want to go ahead. I was going to say just, but just going back to the AFC North, I think it's pretty crazy that at this this point. Especially with the Bengals, like and I know, like the the Browns aren't haven't performed as good as we thought they were going to. The Steelers are meh. The Ravens they've they've been good, but they got killed by the Bengals, and it's just like very surprising how the AFC North is looking seven weeks into the season so far. It's it's not what I would have predicted before the season. Speaking of predictions, that's where we want to wrap up the Steelers segment here. Steelers Browns Halloween in Cleveland. What's your score prediction for the game? Listen, I know Steeler fans are not going to be happy with me, but bear with me. The game is in Cleveland. If you're going to win one of the two games, because I, w- I figured you, you were hoping for a split with Cleveland, I'm going to say they're going to win the one in Pittsburgh, lose the one in Cleveland. We don't know the status of Baker, but I'm assuming that Nick Chubb is going to be back in the game, and the Steelers' defense has not shown me the past couple weeks that they've been able to stop the run, especially down the stretch. Maybe they turn that around against the Browns, but I'm going to say that the Steelers lose to the Browns in Cleveland, and I'll put the score at 27-21. to 21. 
So Steeler fans, you are going to be happy with me. I think that I a hundred percent get where you're coming from. If you're going to split, you would think home team wins each game. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that they're catching the Browns in a right spot right now. You know, we'll see what the, the injury report looks like coming through the week, but this just seems like the spot that you want the Browns in with where they're at health wise right now, going into the last game, 20 players on the injury report. We'll see what that's diminished to this week, but they're just not a great spot health wise right now. Um, I think that we see a lot of field goals in this game as well. Um, I, I think that, you know, Cleveland is going to be able to get down the field with their run attack. But when they get into the red zone, the Steelers are able to hold them a little bit. Um, I'm going to go 23 to 16 Steelers in this one. Uh, I think that the difference has been what the difference has been the last few weeks for the Steelers. I think it's Najee Harris. He's elite. Uh, he is. And as long as you get him just a couple holes, this offensive line can do just the bare minimum, which, by the way, Joe Haig. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. The rushing attack. Um, when we come back on Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network, we're going to talk about the Penguins. And we saw another Mike Sullivan clinic against the Toronto Maple Leafs. This is Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. We'll be right back. On the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network, as promised, we got a little pen stock for you guys now. Uh, not too many games to talk about, though. Uh, for whatever reason, Steelers bye week, the NHL decided we're only going to give the pens two games this week. Uh, so we got a matchup that they played against the Stars, Mike Lang Knight, which ended the sellout streak. Very sad to see that happen, especially on Mike Lang Knight. Not only that, the pens lose that game in a shootout, two to one. Uh, and then. Shootout sucks, last- by the way. I don't know what else to say about last night. We can dive into these games a little bit more, but they win seven to one against Toronto. And just yesterday morning, we found out that Chris Letang was going to be unavailable for that game as he is now in COVID protocol after testing positive. It's not a confirmed positive, at least as of the last time that I saw, uh, might be similar to a Tristan Jari situation. I guess it's what you would be hoping as opposed to a Jeff Carter situation. Um, but so without Crosby, Gino, Rust, Carter, and Latang, they beat the Toronto Maple Leafs seven to one. Um, where it makes so absolutely go, no sense. No, it doesn't. But let's go back to the Stars game first because it's the one that happened okay. first. Yep. Uh, what a boring team the Dallas Stars have become. I, I, are they coached? But is Mike Johnston behind the bench for them, or what's going on there? Because listen, they I'm have say. I feel like they are similar to when we watched like Ottawa in 2017. Anytime we play the LA Kings, uh, just boring hockey. I cannot ma- imagine being a fan of the Dallas Stars right now that the way they're performing, especially with some of the offensive talent that they have on the team. I just don't yeah, get it. I don't understand their style of play based off how they're built. You're right. Is, is Mike Johnston coaching this team? You've got good <laughs> offensive players, but you're playing – a defensive style of game and it makes no sense to me i cannot be a fan of i mean obviously i'm not a fan but i I cannot imagine being a fan of that team right now that would suck to watch 82 games of that yeah i know that they're without john Klingberg right now and that's kind maybe that's kind of why they're playing the style of hockey they are but yeah it's just hard to imagine when you have guys like tyler sagan jamie ben radulov um amiro heiskin and you know wanting to play that style of hockey it's it's odd but, um, I mean, I guess it works out for them. They're, they're off to a decent start this year. They obviously got that win in Pittsburgh in a shootout. Um, 
Shootout so still sucks. I, I, really I, I have, stand by it. I really don't have much to say about this game other than what we kind of saw continue to build um, last night was that Marcus Pedersen, what a start to the season he is off to. Um, I really don't know what else. That, we always knew what he was defensively, and it kind of gets swept under the rug because people want more offense from him. And he kind of gets he, for a guy that's like six foot four, he's not very physical. He gets kind of beat up on the board sometimes. He weighs like 165 pounds soaking wet. Yeah. Uh, so I know that he, he, you know, he's kind of like a, a whipping boy for, for a lot of the fan base, but he is off to a great start this season, not just offensively, but what he's been able to add offensively to the team. And they kind of touched on this. Um, he did as well as Sullivan. Like when Mike Matheson was out of the lineup, they made it a point like Pedersen has to step up kind of not into Mike Matheson's role, but like an elevated role. He needs to bring more offensively. Don't change your game. But if you remember, and I'm, I'm talking to the listeners here, not so much you, because I know you remember. If you remember like what he was like when he first came to Pittsburgh in that trade for Daniel Sprong, he ended up be leading rookie defenseman in assists from that point on, once he came to Pittsburgh, like there is something there with him offensively. I think that he's just kind of taken a back step, his role because of the guy that he's been playing next to John Marino and what his skill set is. Marcus mm-hmm. Pedersen's kind of always had this capability to his game. It's just nice that it's like finally coming through and they're finding that nice balance, despite him having to still be that same defensive player. Also not to mention he outscored Daniel Sprong that year as well. So <laughs> that's yeah. He just, had a just, very nice just a little fun first- fact. Um, but yeah, I think Mark, Marcus Pedersen is looking at the beginning of this season. He's like, oh, you guys wanted to trade a left side defenseman? You wanted to trade me? Why would you do that? I'm the right guy for this job. And I think he's proving that. And we've known that. And I, I know a lot of fans have known that, but you're right. He has been the whipping boy for a lot of Penguins fans. And I, don't, I know a lot of it has to do with his size. They don't like that he gets beat up all the time. But it doesn't matter if he gets hit. But if he still makes the right play, like if he still is a good, good defensively, I don't care how much he gets beat up along the boards. As long as he keeps getting up, obviously he keeps getting up. He's done a great job this season. And I'm so happy that whenever Matheson came back to the lineup, they did not put him with Marino. Marino and Pedersen are the right pairing. That is, has to be your second pairing. They play so well together. They complement each other. And Marcus Pedersen, like you said, has more offensive side to his game than we we've noticed. It just doesn't get shown with Marino, but that's okay. It can come out in these spurts like it did on Saturday night. He had a three point night. I, I I'm perfectly fine with that. I, I just hope that fans start to realize that Marcus Pedersen is a bigger deal to the Penguins defense than people thought they were, especially after like last season. I feel like last season it was like, okay, who are we going to trade? Because we need to make room for POJ eventually. Are we going to get rid of Matheson because we just got him? Or are we getting a bit of Pedersen? I feel like majority of people said Pedersen, even though Matheson yeah. Yeah. is not as good of a defender. I understand he's got the offensive skill side completely. I know that. He's not as good of a defender. He has a worse contract. And I, it just doesn't make sense to me why people look at Pedersen and dislike him as much as they do. He he does his job and he does it exceedingly well. There's a lot of guys on this team right now that you wouldn't expect that have all been unsung heroes. Um, we can dive into that, but I first just want to start by saying I, I feel like I, this is something I said in the, the last week's episode. This game Saturday was like exactly why and what makes you realize that. Mike Sullivan not having a Jack Adams or even being mentioned for the award yet is an absolute joke. Most underappreciated like coach in the NHL. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to say something that might be considered blasphemous. Blasphemous. I really don't think it is. How ridiculous do you think it is to already call him a Hall of Fame coach? Uh, I don't think it's ridiculous. I think the this, the level of play that he's gotten from all these players, and when I say all these players, I'm talking like everyone who comes into the lineup because the Penguins have dealt with so many injuries over these past few seasons, especially – um, he's a two-time Stanley Cup champion. You saw the impact right away whenever he, he he took over as coach. He knew the type of team the Penguins were. That's the difference, is that Mike Johnson didn't know how to coach this team. And as soon as Mike Sullivan came in, he knew the type of team that this team was, that the players were built to play as. And he enforced it completely. He, he made them a fast team, skilled team, instead of this defensive, like sluggish, boring team that Mike Johnson was coaching the mess. And, I don't. I don't really think that's outlandish. I, I mean, I know maybe he'll get there. I don't know. Really, know what the qualifying factors are for coaches in Hall of like Hockey Hall of Fame. That's I'm, a good I'm point. Because I don't I am, either. <laughs> I have no idea. But the fact that he's never won a Jack Adams, he should have won it last year. I don't care what anybody says, and he he should probably be a finalist going into this year. I, it doesn't matter how soon he gets players like Rust and Sid back, and we know Gino's going to be out for a while. But the fact that he's never even been nominated for the award is completely ridiculous. You sh- he's shown time and time again that no matter who's in the lineup, he gets the best from his, these players, and they buy into his system. And that's what you saw on Saturday night. I mean, look at who was playing in the game. You were missing 13 Stanley Cups from your lineup, and they were able to still blow out the Toronto Maple Leafs, who are a very good team. So yeah, uh, it- you're, you're, you're spot on. Uh, so this is a question I like to bring up because it gets people to interact with, you know, whether that be on Twitter and the YouTube comments, but by the way, be sure to subscribe to the channel, leave us a like, leave us a comment though. You know, when we go through these interactive things, we want to know what your guys' opinion are. Is it ridiculous to already say that Mike Sullivan has put together, at least at this point, like at this trajectory that he's on right now, is it ridiculous to say that he's a, a Hall of Fame coach? We want to know in the comments, let us know. Um, but you look at this team right now, Okay. And they've gotten a point in every one of their first five games. Granted, two of those were losses in overtime in a shootout. Um, if you would have told me that, that they would earn a point in all five of their games, knowing that, you know, Crosby's going to be out, Geno's going to be out, I would have been like, okay, well, I mean, Jake Gensel and Kasperi Kapp and then Jeff Carter, those guys just got to be going off right now. That hasn't been the case. They got three guys that are averaging a point per game right now. Those guys are Danton Heinen, Drew O'Connor, who didn't play one of the games. And Evan Rodriguez, which I just that that's that's absurd. And you know this I, just goes back to again Sullivan's system, what he's doing for these guys. Anybody can like not anybody can play in the system, but he gets the most out of these guys that are in the system. And just the player, like they they identified that these guys would thrive here. And look at what they're doing. Listen, I don't do this often, but I want to give you a lot of credit credit for the way that you have praised Drew O'Connor. He's been proving you right. I mean, he he's performed amazingly. I feel like what <laughs> it's just you start off by saying I don't do this often. I thought that was funny. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like I have to give you credit for this one. Drew Drew O'Connor has been amazing so far, and it's funny because we were going through the lineup. I was going with it uh, a couple days ago. Like, okay, what's it going to shake up to be when everyone's healthy? That's if everyone is ever healthy. And right. we, we were saying that like Drew O'Connor has to be in the lineup, whether he's playing center or not, which he probably wouldn't be because you'd think like your four centers would be Sid, Gino, Carter, and and uh, Luger. 
But right. even if he's playing on the wing, like he has to be in the lineup the way he's been performing. But at the same time, Evan Rodriguez, <laughs> like he's been performing well. He Dom would need Simone. to be in the lineup. I mean, Dom Simone's been performing well. Dayton Hyman, obviously he's going to be in the lineup, but like, where do you put him? You put him with the Jet Car. Like, all these guys have been performing so well. Hyden's already played on three different lines through five games. <laughs> like, I mean, is this offseason kind of like a uh, stamp on, okay, we hired the right guy as GM? We, we, were, we were questionable at first, like going into this offseason, but like, is the offseason the moves that they, that's at least so far into this short season, it's only been like, what, five games? Is this right. like proving it right that, okay, we hired like a, a good guy as GM? We don't have a Jim Rutherford that's going to trade a first round pick for Ryan Reeves. Yeah, I mean, that, that's one of those things. I know that the cop-out answer is going to be like small sample size, time will tell, but I, it's tough to say that right now. The, what I will say is, like, in my opinion, you know, it goes back to, again, you know, the, kind of the same answer that they'll have for, like, the goaltending situation with Jari, who I thought was phenomenal again last night. You know, we saw the game tied at one at the end of the first period, and then it get out of hand in the second, third periods. I really thought that the biggest difference was the play in net. I thought Jack Campbell was off when I thought Tristan Jari was very good. Um, but I'm getting off track here. Uh, to, your, to answer your question, I think that, that those answers won't come until really the playoffs. Like, are these guys going to be able to play playoff Fair. hockey that they're going out and getting? Um, you know, and what is he going to push the right buttons at the deadline too? Like, is there going to need to be a piece added to this team? Last year, they, they said that they kind of rewarded the team by going out and getting Jeff Carter. That was their way of saying, we appreciate what you guys have done. You know, we, we came in and this is me speaking to Satchel. We came into a situation not knowing what was going to happen with this team. It was kind of in limbo. Like Rutherford just walks out out of nowhere on a team that you expect is like a playoff competitor. And then at that point, what happens? What does this team decide to do? Do they buy? Do they sell? Do they not? Do they stand pat? I mean, we were thinking they could blow it up. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And then this offseason, we had no idea what to expect. Are they going to go out and get another goaltender because of the way that the playoffs happened? They put their trust in Tristan Jari and said, the only move that we're going to make goaltending wise is a new goaltender coach. And I mean, again, very small sample size here. So far, so good. Um, he's played well. He's, yeah, he, he's fifth right now in goals against uh, expected, you know, which is which is great. The, that list, by the way, that Danny put out from uh, Jay Fresh. Very odd when you look at the names that are at the top right now, and then you see the bottom, and Mark Andre Fleury second worst right now in the yep. NHL. Um, but yeah, uh, I'll say I, I think so far so good. Um, I think that their best thing is being able to get the most out of players that you, you wouldn't see do well in other systems. I mean, look at Dom Simone, what he was in, in Calgary. He only dressed for eleven games last year, didn't record a single point. And then you look at you know him again. I know he's not a goal scorer. Um, but he is a productive player and he makes things happen out on the ice, despite not being a goal scorer. And, and he's Mike Sullivan's happens. darling child. Yeah. It only happens in <laughs> Pittsburgh. I mean, right now you look up and down the lineup, they're getting production out of Brian Boyle, who you easily, easily tell that he's lost a step. He's very slow, but he makes up for that because of, because of his size the way that he fills gaps. I mean, he's just a smart hockey player, and he's in the right place at the right time. Dom Simone and Brian Boyle just brought those two names up. They combined for a goal yesterday. Really, the only guy that I think that you're not getting anything out of when he's in the lineup, and it's only been for a couple of games, is Sam Lafferty. I mean, that guy, to me, is just – he skates around fast, and that's about all he does. I would say we knew that, though. Like, yeah. every season, we know he can skate fast, but he has he has no – Nothing to do with a stick, and like when he has the puck, it's like his legs are moving too. He has Connor Sherry syndrome. His legs move too fast. He doesn't know what to do with the stick and his with the puck. Um, but yeah, th dude, this team 
they performing really well. And it, like I said, I think last week it, we were getting it from everywhere. It's not just like a couple lines that are doing it. It's the entire team. And it, it, it like going back to Mike Sullivan, this is everyone's bought back into the system. Um, but I wanted to touch on what Sidney Crosby, he spoke um, this week yeah. to the media and I just wanted to touch on so so that injury happened from Ryan Reeves in after the 2014 Olympics. He's dealt with it this entire time, and he just said he's been able to manage it. He he, he, he could have gotten manage it. Yeah, he could have gotten things done with to it, um, but he didn't. But in that time, two Stanley Cups, two Conn Smythe, uh, a World Cup of Hockey, and a World Cup of Hockey MVP. I mean, I'm hoping that obviously like Sidney Crosby is Sidney Crosby. His play is not going to drop uh, hugely, but I think I'm hoping that it might even go up a step now that he doesn't have to even have to worry about this. But I just wanted to talk about real quick. We we, we were questioning whether he could come back earlier this week when we played Dallas uh, yeah. or last week when we played Dallas. Obviously, we were wrong. Um we don't like to admit that a lot on the show, but we were wrong. So, but but it sounds like we don't he doesn't even know exactly when he's going to come back because it's more of a like how he feels and how the doctors feel but he said in that that press conference that he hadn't even really been able to like start lifting sticks and stuff and putting that like emphasis on the weight of his wrist a little bit so i, I i'm not sure I, I mean i know originally we thought maybe it was only a couple games couple weeks but i mean we're a couple weeks into the season now so now it's like when do you we think the Sidney crosby's gonna be able to come back i'm just thinking <clears throat> you know and this is just me knowing you know how superstitious he is and everything about him i'm thinking that he probably probably wants to get back to being able to do a certain routine and right now he hasn't been able to do that and he's not going to return until he's able to do that like i I just think that especially like there's no reason to rush him everything that we've talked about so far in this penguin segment has led us to to this point where we don't need to rush him back this team's not off to an zero and five start you know where they're not doing anything without city crosby um yeah, it's tough to say when exactly it's going to happen because we literally have no idea. You asked me, I answered, I thought he was going to come back. And that was just yeah. based off the fact that he had been, you know, with the team pretty much the entire way up to this point, at least practicing. So I don't know what the next step is there. I, I don't know that has he not taken like hits or something along the wall. I, mean, that, I don't know. Well, what... that's what he, he said in the press conference. He hadn't been lifting sticks. He hasn't really been pushing guys. So I'm assuming that he's he's been more of like a non-contact guy in the practice participation. So maybe that's the next step is like getting him more acclimated to the contact again and being able to see, like test the wrist and see like, okay, if I hit this guy, am I going to feel it in my wrist after? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, slowly, but surely. Uh, but, but like you said, you know, you kicked this off by saying how crazy it is that he's been dealing with this thing for seven years um, and, and the accomplishments that he's had within those seven years dealing with it. Um, I brought that up originally, you know, when we were talking about it, like it's, it's pretty scary to think that he's been dealing with that and having the production that he's had. <clears throat> Imagine if it is, you know, completely back to hundred percent, the player that we could see, obviously he's lost a step or maybe a half step speed wise, but the way that he's able to make up for that with everything else, you think if that wrist is at a hundred percent. That that's going to be a scary thought for everybody else to think that Sidney Crosby hasn't been a hundred percent. And now he's going to be when he does come back. All right. Last thing that I want to bring up uh, about the Penguins guy that we were hoping would be scoring a lot of goals this year. Doesn't have a goal <clears throat> yet. Kasperi Kapanen. When is the damn going to break for this guy? Because I feel like he's been playing well. He just hasn't gotten that goal yet. <clears throat> he's been, so it's tough to say like playing well for me. I know he does have four assists, 
Um, he's kind of been like that second uh, point guy on the power play. And, and that's, I think, where, where kind of, that's kind of coming from. Also, like, oddly enough, like Evan Rodriguez has been that goal scorer on his line. Um, but I, I think that right now it just looks like he's doing a lot of skating around with a puck on his stick. So, like, that's at least a good sign. You know, as he wants the puck on his stick, he's still confident with that. He's just not getting to high-scoring chances or high-danger areas. He did have a couple, like that one right off the face-off yesterday. He didn't elevate the puck, but it was kind of – that was a good opportunity. Um, the, he's just not really getting to those those high-scoring areas on the ice right now. He's just skating around a lot and not getting to the slot. And we, he was due for some shooting regression, um, but we thought even with that, with the amount of times that this guy's going to shoot the puck with the areas of the ice that he gets to – that's not going to matter. He's still going to have a career year. And I'm not saying that he's not going to, he's also not playing with, you know, who we expect him to win healthy. Um, but, but yeah, it's just watching him right now. I don't want to say it looks like he's like aimlessly just skating around. He's still been part of the process of why this team is scoring goals. It's just, he himself is not getting to those goal scoring areas. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I just feel like with him, all it's going to take is one. And then he'll start to yeah. Rake, I, I thought I, I thought for sure it was like yesterday just seemed like the perfect storm, right? Goal goal is through four, uh, playing against his old team in Toronto, who's giving up the most opportunities in those high scoring areas so far this season. Like it just seemed like this was the perfect storm for him to to get at least one yesterday, and really like you said, break the dam and get off the schneid and just really kickstart things for himself, but. Uh, it's hard to complain, you know, when a team wins seven to one, but I think that was probably really the only thing missing is, you know, where's Casperi Kapanen in the goal sheet right now? I mean, we got, we have two goals from Zucker. I, I don't know what more we can ask for than that so far. So come on, Cap, you got to get on it. Jason Zucker looks like, I mean, he's sticking true to his word. He said he's just shoot the puck more. He, he averaged like two shots a game last year. That's just unacceptable for a guy of his pedigree, what we saw in Minnesota and, uh, yeah, he's he's definitely shooting the puck more. He sure. is. Uh, he's tied with the lead with with the team. Evan Rodriguez and Jason Zucker, uh, seventeen shots so far. That's crazy. And Casper Kapanen is fifth on the team with twelve. So he's not, it's not for lack yeah, of shooting the puck. He's just not uh-huh. getting to the best areas, like you said. Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we if we have a lot more to talk about with the Pens, but I, I know that we've kind of touched on the fact that he's. Uh, you know, tied for the team leading points, and you just brought up his name again. Evan Rodriguez had to play first line center yesterday, and it, what this player has become, you know, is just crazy under Mike Sullivan. And then he was part of the captain and trade. He went to Toronto. They elect not to re-sign him. He was there for a cup of coffee and came back. Yeah, he finds his way back to Pittsburgh. But like, that's just a guy that you you need really on, on every roster is a guy that you can slide up and down the lineup. Sometimes isn't even in the lineup, like as a 13th forward can play center, can play wing, can play the power play. He's killed penalties. At, oh, speaking of killing penalties, Jake Denzel was on the penalty kill at one point yesterday as well. Uh, but Evan Rodriguez has just become a Sullivan favorite because this guy's just a Swiss army knife for the lineup. And it's not just like, Oh, this guy needs, needs to be pushed up into this role. You know, he'll be serviceable. He's not just being serviceable right now. This guy is thriving regardless of where he's playing in the lineup. And that's why I was I was saying I was talking about him a little bit earlier and him and uh, Drew O'Connor and a, a couple of the guys because I was going through the lineup with somebody and I'm like okay say everybody's healthy you got the top line of Sid Jake and Rust you got the second line of Gino Cap and Zucker 
And then I would say the bottom line would probably stay the same with Bluger, Zach Aston Reese, and uh, McGinn right now. I think they would keep them together. Yeah, they've been ridiculous in terms of like their their underlying numbers, their possession metrics are just stupid. Yeah. They just bury and, teams in their own end. And so you're looking at, okay, the third line, you would have Jeff Carter at center, Danton Heinen on his left wing, and then you have to decide between Dominic Simone, Drew O'Connor, Evan Rodriguez to play on that left wing or that right wing. So it, when everyone's healthy, not everybody that's playing right now is going to be playing. Obviously, we knew that, but it's guys that have been productive so far. It's not like it's going to be an easy decision. Right. Yeah, and I know the first thing people are going to say is like, oh, well, then let's trade them if they're not going to be playing. You need, especially you in need the Penguins case, at least you need at least 15 forwards. You need at and least listen, eight, nine this is me saying if everybody's healthy. That's a yeah, big if. We don't happen, know that. Though. We don't know that everybody is going to be actually back and healthy Especially anytime soon. Even more so, like not just injuries, like with COVID still being very impactful. Yeah. Like, Luckily, Tristan Jari's was just a false positive because uh, yeah. earlier last week he was ruled out for COVID protocol. But yeah, we don't. With COVID, it, it, it throws another wrench in there. It's just another thing that get the, these teams need to be prepared for. Yeah. So, yeah, you need at least, like, 15 forwards, eight, nine, eight or nine defensemen. I mean, it's just – but, um, okay, let's take a look real quick at the Pens' upcoming slate then. Um, of course, somebody had to just um, – they got this week the Lightning on Tuesday, the Flames on Thursday, and the Devils on Saturday. They're all at home because of the, the way that the schedule was, this ridiculous stretch. Yeah, they what, got like eight, eight or nine home games. games? Yeah. yeah. Um, so what do we make of this? I mean, the Lightning, they obviously didn't get off to the best start opening night. The Penguins kind of, like, put them in a phone booth and they couldn't do anything. But they are 2-2-1 two, two, and one now. Um, you know, what do we make of this stretch of games this week? Um, I, I think that you're starting off pretty tough with the Lightning. I mean, I know the, the Penguins kind of blew them out in that first game. Um, and I know the, the score was inflated from the empty net goals, but – even when it was 3 nothing, we never really felt like the Lightning were really in the game the entire time. The Penguins were kind of dominated. But I know it's still going to be a tough game. The Lightning are still the Lightning. Um, we'll see what the roster looks like on Tuesday night. Um, if we get anybody back, I'm not sure. But uh, I, I feel like that's just going to be a tough-fought game. Who knows who's going to win. But Calgary, I think Calgary stinks. Um <laughs> Yeah, they are. Just, um, well, they're off to two one and one start, but yeah, I mean, I know that, but I'm just, I just think they stink. I don't think they're they're a good team. And say, I mean, the Devils are the Devils. They stink too. So I think it sh- it should be, you you should come out with at least four points this week, um, out out of your six games. Hopefully, you get five or six, but I'm thinking you should get at least four. Yeah, I mean the, the the Devils. I yeah, they're off to a three and one start, but their Jack Hughes is hurt now, um, so that's obviously a huge blow for them. I don't think that they're as good as that record shows. Who have they started off with? I want to say it's not that that challenging of a start. They played so the, the what is it? The, they played the Blackhawks, Kraken, Capitals, and Sabers. So they yeah. beat the Sabers. They beat the Kraken, brand new team. They beat the Blackhawks, who absolutely stink. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Capitals are their only real opponent so far, and they lost four to one. So, um, Mickey yeah, Mouse that, that should, they should they should win two out of these three games, if not all of them. They've they've shown that they can beat the Lightning so far. So hopefully they do. That'd be great to go in with a six six point gain this week. I can't wait until 
the Penguins get these guys back, right, and they they get close to as healthy as possible, and, and we're able to watch Sidney Crosby do hockey again. But there's something that's like satisfying about watching these guys win without those guys in the lineup. And I think yeah. that the the biggest reason is because we know that the day is coming when Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang, those guys hang it up. What's the next wave of Penguins hockey look like? And to your point that you asked me earlier, where I said I wasn't sure so yet about like in this first offseason, if Ron Hextall pushed all the right buttons, like I, I'm, I'm comfortable though with him being the guy going forward, whether that question has been answered yet or not. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that's probably why I'm enjoying watching this team win right now. And it's because it's a little bit of like a glimpse into the, what the future could look like. I mean, they still need to add talent at the AHL level and they're not going to be trading their draft picks the way that they have in the past. So that's going to happen. That prospect pool will get built back up, but it's just a a little bit of a sneak peek. And I think that's why it's so satisfying. Yeah. And I think that as long as Mike Sullivan is at the helm and the Penguins are playing the way they are, I, I see no reason that they can't stay competitive for a long time. And I know the shelf life on hockey coaches is pretty low. Uh, and, and I know that so many people have, and we talked about before, but so many people have like come from Mike Sullivan. Makes absolutely no sense to us, but as long as he's the coach of the Penguins, I'm confident that they will. he will be able to get the best out of the players that he has on the ice. By the way, like you mentioned the shelf life for coaches is where we can leave it unless you have anything else to say after this. I think that the biggest thing with that is always that it really just starts to fall on deaf ears. Like it, it never the, the coach himself really never changes. And and that's part of the problem, I guess, is you know, not willing to adapt. But like had Sullivan been fired after, you know, the bubble series versus Montreal or getting swept by the Islanders the year before, whatever it might have been. Like, I would have still felt like, no, Mike Sullivan's like a really good hockey coach. It's just, I guess they felt like they needed to shake up something. I'm glad that they didn't do it, but typically that's the only reason that we see, like, these really good hockey coaches move on is because, you know, that duration of time eventually starts to fall on deaf ears. Yeah, and it's funny, the NHL is so weird that they all hire the same coaches. They just Yeah, it's them. just it's like, yeah, Mike Sullivan would have probably ended up in, like, New York or something, and then... We would have been seeing him so many times over and over and over and over again. But yeah, uh, you got anything Pittsburgh, else? So. Nope, that's it. U.S. hockey got. team head coach Mike Sullivan, by the way. U.S. hockey team head coach Mike Sullivan. Hey, he goes um, and wins gold. That Hall of Fame case. I think you might as well stamp it. <laughs> if, he, if he wins gold. I mean, even if he, if he gets silver, like if he medals, then that, that could be like stamping it. Granted. You and I have no idea what the qualifications for a coach are <laughs> with the Hockey Hall of Fame, but this is just our opinion. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, hey, guys, whether you're watching or listening to the show, we appreciate you tuning in for another episode here at Around the 412. Leave us a comment. Let us know anything that we brought up into the show, what your thoughts are. We love interacting with you guys when these shows do the live premieres. Uh, we'll be in the chat talking to you guys about what you think. Please keep it respectful. We'll be respectful back. Um, but please subscribe to the channel, leave us a like, hit that notification bell. So, you know, when any new video on the DK Pittsburgh sports, YouTube, uh, goes live or gets posted. Um, I think that's about it. Other than that. Oh, rock around the four, one, two.
very much off the ground and rolling. Uh, the GoFundMe link will be our new pinned tweet. I have something going on right now because we're doing a giveaway. But by the time that you're watching, listening to this, it will be the pinned tweet again on our Twitter. You got all the information right there. We've raised over $10,000 in the first few years of doing this. We want to continue to do that. Every single penny that's donated goes to the families in our areas to provide Christmas in its entirety, including that holiday meal, along with literally everything the kids want on their Christmas list. So please share. Please donate if you can. Other than that, it's been Smitty. It's been Tyler. This is Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye.